Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic, Onobotulinum Toxin A, and iFund Women Grants at South by Southwest, thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good. What advice would you give to upcoming like female entrepreneurs or just already sort of established trying to survive still? I literally joke with my staff and, and we always are saying, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? You want to be broke all the time and working 24-7? Ooh. Yeah, but so, look at you. Yeah, right? But I'm here. So the advice that I give is and I coined this, and I believe I said it on my TED Talk, that your passion follows you. You cannot follow your passion. So my advice is to let your passion follow you, get out of your own way, and never stop and never settle. This episode was brought to you by Botox Cosmetic. Learn more at BotoxCosmetic.com and talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, call 877 877- Three five one zero three zero zero, and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast. Scrubbing in with Becca Tilly and Tanya Rapp, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hello, everybody. We are scrubbing in. Yes, we are thou. <laughs> oh, yes, we are thou. Yes, we are thou. Interesting. Yes. Shakespearean. Yes. With a Tanya twist. Let me tell you something. I'm on one today. I feel it from you. Do you? Yeah, but I'm like, it's not, it's kind of like a little manic. Unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like. It's not like, oh, on one, good. At, like, it's good, I guess. Good energy, high energy. But like, yeah. like I'm kind of scared. <laughs> it's, you shouldn't be scared. It's a okay. good. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Never know with you. Never know. It's really <laughs> comes like the wind. Keep us on our toes. Yeah. We have a very exciting guest because I have talked about Stephanie Rigg. Um, I talked about her a few podcasts ago. She really helped me. She doesn't know this. I will be telling her. But um, during my like. Uh, spiral while Haley was in Europe. I listened to her podcast. It's called On Attachment. And she's our guest today. And she's also a relationship coach. She helps like specialize in people breaking free of insecurity and anxiety to create loving, connected, deep relationships. Um, And she's worked with people from multiple countries through her coaching practice and online courses. And did you want to do the other part of the intro? Yes. (laughs) 
Sorry, I took it over because I... Yeah, I I didn't realize you were doing that. (laughs) Uh, I'm also a huge fan of attachment styles. I'm so fascinated by it. I know my own attachment style, but I don't know how to get out of that phase or get out of (laughs) my attachment style. So um, since its launch in early 2022, her signature program, Healing Anxious Attachment, has helped over thousands has helped over a thousand people to heal their anxious attachment and move towards a more secure way of being. And like I said, she is the host and creator of the top ranked uh, podcast on attachment styles, and it's called On Attachment. Um, please help us welcome all the way from Sydney, Australia, the wonderful Stephanie Ray. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. I was t- I talked about you on our recent podcast because I have ha- my girlfriend's on tour right now and I had this realization that my attachment style may have switched so I was frantically searching podcasts <laughs> on attachment styles and yours came up and it is amazing I love everything that you do I love how you speak I love listening to your podcast just your voice and it's so calming but also what you talk about so I'm so excited to have you on our podcast thanks Becca it's really great to be here I think that a lot of people probably find me uh by doing what you did it's like oh okay I'm experiencing something what is it I've heard about attachment Google podcast on attachment and my podcast is called on attachment. So I think that's a, yeah, it's it's a, a great short name. road from A to B. But I do uh, want to start out for people because I'm also familiar with attachment styles and I really want to uh, dig into mine, but I want to lay the land for everybody that's listening that might not know what they are. So if you can explain kind of how many attachment styles are there and if you could just kind of give a brief description of what they are. Yeah. So there are four attachment styles and maybe to take a step back, attachment styles are basically describing what we experience in relationships. And I realize that sounds broad, but um, the the best way that I like to describe it is that your attachment style basically explains or groups people based on what kinds of things are scary for me in relationships, what kind of things feel hard or challenging, and what are my go-to strategies for managing that? So using that as our starting point, we can walk through the four attachment styles. So maybe we start with secure, which is what we would all hope to be or become. And, you know, a really cool thing about this body of work is that you can change your attachment style. It's not something that's fixed. It's not like a diagnosis. It's not some fixed part of you or your personality. It's just a set of behaviors that you've probably learned and picked up along the way over the course of your life and come to rely on often uh, pretty subconsciously. So secure attachment is basically relationships feel pretty easeful to you. You kind of trust in the safety of relationships. You're okay on your own, but you also are really comfortable being in relationship. You don't have this sense of, oh no, something's going to go wrong. I'm always on edge because I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. There's just this sense of easefulness and trust about the way that you relate to others and particularly in romantic relationships, although also across the board. You're broadly like confident in voicing needs and setting boundaries. You trust in the ability to work through conflict. It's all just like, okay, hard things will happen, but we'll be fine because we can work through it. That's the gold standard. That's what we're all kind of working towards in doing this work, right? Unfortunately, (laughs) most of us, well, about 50% is the estimate of people who are secure. For the other 50% of us, and obviously those estimates are, 
I'm always a little skeptical because I'm like, maybe that's my bias because I'm obviously mostly working with people who aren't at that as their starting point. But I'm always a little skeptical as to whether it is 50 50. <laughs> the remaining 50% ish um, fall across these three other categories of insecure attachment. So it's referred to. And maybe we'll start with anxious attachment because that's most people who I work with. And that's also kind of my personal background and what I've worked through. Anxiously attached people, if we're going back to those questions of what kinds of things scare me and what do I do with that fear to manage it? Anxiously attached people are, okay, I'm scared by this core fear of abandonment or fear of being without you. Um, So I'm scared of distance. I'm scared of uncertainty. um, I'm scared of rejection. I'm scared of you leaving me. I might struggle with things like jealousy and comparison and worry and rumination and catastrophizing. Uh, As soon as there's any kind of space between us, I'm filling in the blanks with like the worst possible thing that could happen. What do I do with that to manage that fear? I try and close the gap. So I'm going to want to be around you all the time as much as possible, because if I feel like you're right there and next to me, then there's not as much space for those fears to take hold and, and to, you know, do their thing. Um, so pretty much all of those anxious attachment strategies could be distilled down to, I want to close the gap and get back to connection with you. Whenever I feel like there's any sort of disconnection or distance, I want to squash it and to get us back into connection. So then we have at the other end of the spectrum to the anxiously attached person, we have the dismissive avoidant. And I do want to say, I know that in a lot of, um, you know, kind of pop culture. And if you have come across attachment styles at a probably a pretty surface level online, I think avoidance get a really bad rap. And I understand why, because if you're on the receiving end of some of the more challenging avoidant behaviors, it can be pretty um, painful, frankly. Um, And I think we also have to come back to this thing of, you know, they have fears and they're managing those fears the only way they know how. So for the avoidant person, the fear is around loss of self, being smothered, being controlled, um, you know, losing your independence, feeling like someone is depending on you in a way that feels overwhelming and suffocating. Um, And the way that they can manage that is by creating distance, right? So by kind of pushing someone away or being protective of their autonomy, being protective of their independence, um, but basically returning to their their island (laughs) Um, because that feels safe. Um, And so that's kind of the other end of the spectrum to the anxious person. And and we can get into a bit later um, the irony of the fact that those types tend to gravitate towards each (laughs) other, which seems like, you know, the last thing that should happen, but it actually happens a lot. Um, Then the fourth category is what's referred to as fearful avoidant or disorganized attachment. And this is a person who ranks high on both anxiety and avoidance. So they've kind of got you could either say the best or the worst of both worlds there. Um, So they experience (laughs) the anxiety uh, and they want to be close to people. And then once they get close, it's like, whoa, this feels too much. I got to get out of here. And so they tend to have a lot of push pull um, and a lot of kind of fear and stress in relationships, understandably, because they have these conflicting drives within them that are saying like, get close. And then once you're close, it's like, okay, get out of here. This is too much. Um, and so that's kind of the experience of the the fearful avoidant is having 
that desire for intimacy and closeness and connection. Um, but once you get it, being really terrified and, and pulling away. So their strategies can kind of range from anxious strategies to more like pure avoidance strategies. Um, and often when they're in stress, they'll lean more on avoidance strategies. Um, and it can kind of depend on the context and who they're in relationship with. So if they're in relationship with someone who is more anxious, they're likely to lean more on their avoidance strategies because they're going to be more in that overwhelmed place. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas if they were with someone who was more avoidant, then their anxious parts might be triggered and activated and they might go more um, inwards, go kind of try and get closer because those anxieties are being activated by the other person's behavior. Wow. I have a question about, so you said 50% are securely attached. Which feels like a lot. Feels way more than I, I would expect. And like rude. I don't buy it. <laughs> Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Rakuten is a rewarding way to shop and save because members earn cash back on everything that they buy. Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores across every category like beauty, clothing, electronics, pets, and more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores like Macy's, Best Buy, Petco, so why not be saving while doing it? It's a no-brainer. Rakuten is the easiest and smartest way to find the best deals and savings. And every time I visit Rakuten.com, I'm always shocked by the thousands of brands that are featured. Me too. Did you know that Ticketmaster is one of those brands? So next time you're trying to see your favorite artist live, you can earn cash back when buying tickets with Rakuten. And the best part, membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Plus, cashback rates change daily so you can keep checking to find the best deal. The stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the commission with its members. You can get paid via check or PayPal quarterly. Rakuten has 17 million members who are already saving, and their members have earned over $4.6 billion in cashback. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app to start saving today. Your cashback really adds up. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Do attachment styles stem, like, are, are some people just secure? Like, are they just secure? Is it that people work on themselves and go to therapy and do these types of things to get to a place of security? Or are people just naturally secure in relationships? And where does that, where do you get Suspicious, that isn't it? I'm going to buy it. Uh, so that when we're talking about like 50% of secure, um, at least according to theory, that is like, 
their starting point. And that is because, you know, all of this attachment stuff originates in childhood for the most part. And so that it, we're talking there about 50% are secure as a starting point. Again, I'm really skeptical of that. And it's important to note as well that this all sits on a spectrum. It's not like you go in one bucket and right, you are right. in yeah. that bucket to the exclusion of all the other buckets. Right. Um, so it does sit on a spectrum and you might be someone who's broadly secure. And if you're in a healthy relationship, that might be kind of where you're hanging out. But most people will have kind of secondary um, styles or strategies. So if you were broadly secure, but then you got into a relationship with someone who was very avoidant, then you might exhibit more anxious strategies or vice versa. Um, so I think it is messier than just saying like, I am this and I started as this and now I am this mm-hmm. and it's all really clean and compartmentalized. Um, I think the reality is that it is messier than that. And I'm always uh, cautious about getting too attached to the labels. I think sometimes people really want to be like, which one am I? <laughs> um, I I think that I, you know, kind of that resonates with me, but then I did this quiz online and now I'm very confused and I've got to get to the bottom of which attachment style I am. And it's like, yeah, yes. And does it really matter? Like mm-hmm. it, it's just a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a diagnosis. It's not something where you need to like figure out which bucket you're in um, before you can do anything with it. You can just go, oh, okay, that resonates with me. Can I get curious about that? Oh, I do notice that I really struggle with uncertainty or distance in my relationships. I wonder what that's about for me. Um, so I, I always encourage people to take a bit more of a kind of nuanced and curious a curious approach rather than getting too fixated on labels and and kind of categories. Yeah, that was me taking the quizzes, just spiraling out of control. Well, like, just- like I know, like I know what I am and I do, I know what I, I'm anxious attachment. I'm anxiously attached and I feel like obviously securely attached is the goal for everybody. So what's like one first mm. step that you can take to get to that secure attachment? Cause I've been working at it for years and still here. <laughs> it's a journey. No, I mean, I, I have also been working on it for years and I'd like to say that I'm the way that I describe it to people, because I always get asked, like, can you ever actually, if you're anxiously attached, is there ever like a light at the end of the tunnel where I don't experience anxious attachment anymore? And the way that I answer that is like, yes and no, it's not like it's going to just evaporate and you're never going to feel that way again. You know, that's probably been with you for a really long time. And there's just like a level of muscle memory around it where you're like, Oh, that's where I go in a flash, mm-hmm. right? When I'm triggered, when I'm scared, that's where I go because my body knows how to do that and it's learned to do that to keep me safe. Um, that's that's not a problem. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but what the goal of the work is really like, can I get to a place where I have some sort of choice, where I feel like I'm in the driver's seat of that rather than this anxious part of me grabs the wheel and drives me off a cliff to this place that feels really out of control and panicky and stressed and I feel like I'm not okay Um, if my relationship is not okay, which is really anxious attachment. It's like, I'm okay if we're okay and you're here and I feel like everything's all right. But if not, even if you're just in a bad mood and you're a bit quiet, all of the alarm bells go off in me and I'm like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? Are you okay? Are you mad at me? What did I do? Can I fix it? Can I get us back to harmony? Because I experience any kind of even tiny momentary rupture as a precursor to abandonment. I feel like you're going to leave me or you're angry at me or you are disappointed in me and you don't love me or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, so all of those things can happen. So to answer your question of like, 
what do we, what do we do with that? Um, <laughs> I think for anxiously attached people, the the big piece, the biggest piece, is learning to create safety within yourself because you, if that's kind of your experience, I know it's been mine. You'll know that it's really really hard to create safety from within. We get our safety from other people. Um, And so if there is something wrong in our relationship, if we have a fight or our partner's away or whatever, any of that distance I was speaking about earlier, it's like, I don't know how to like be my own power source here. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I need to like plug back into you before I can feel okay. And that's a really kind of disempowering place to be because we're, you know, it's not to shame ourselves for wanting connection and closeness because that's perfectly human and normal and natural but there's a difference between wanting it and needing it from a place of survival like i am not okay without you that's not like that that's a really hard way to live right mm-hmm. it's it means that we are so reliant on something outside of us um and so we want to come back to a bit more balance around okay i can like I can be connected to you, but I can also stand on my own two feet and know that I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so learning tools for being more comfortable in yourself and with yourself, um, whether that's on a day-to-day basis or when you're triggered, ideally both, um, but being able to bring yourself to this kind of embodied personal experience of like, I'm okay in the world, Um just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we can relate from a place that isn't so anxiety driven or fear-based or like, I need this, like this kind of clutching energy of I need this in order to be okay. Yeah. I would say my whole life I've lived probably on the border of secure and avoidant. Um, and then I was so confident that I was secure until I fell in love. And then I was like, oh, this all my advice that I'd give to my friends has gone out the window because now I'm experiencing all these feelings and so I feel like in in the beginning of our relationship my girlfriend and I have been together for five years and in the beginning I would say that she was anxiously attached and I was more avoidant so we would have these conflicts of like her being like needing me and being really anxious and I would shut down or like need space And then I don't know if it was during the pandemic. I don't know where there was a shift. (laughs) But when she went on tour this time, especially with the time change in Europe, I was with her for the first week. And then as soon as I left, like it was like immediate panic. And I was like, this Mm. is not me. Like, I don't feel like myself. I don't know why I'm in this spiral. It was the first time where I couldn't like talk myself out of the feelings, the feelings, Mm. which is it was kind of a scary feeling because I was like, who is this person? Like who, why is this happening and how, why can't I stop it? Um, And so that's why I was like, I need to figure out what's going on. How do I get out of this cycle? So I know that, you know, Tanya and I have talked a lot about her attachment being anxious and, um, but I've been been anxious my whole life. Like it's, and it's hmm. not, it's not just in my relationship that I'm in now it's in all my relationships. And like, I know we joke about it a lot on the podcast, but it's like, I'll text my friend if they don't text me back within five minutes. I'm like, where are you? What are you doing? Hello, hello, hello. Like it's in all my relationships. <laughs> Do you hate one. me or are you dead? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, see your, I see you're at your house. So I know you're not anywhere else. So why are you not responding to me?
Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gym, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They know the feeling and their authenticity experts live for it. When that sneaker soul hits the court and hits you right in your soul. When catching a streetwear drop means everyone else is catching envy. When that watch seems to stop time, that handbag drops someone's jaw faster than they can say, I want one. And that shiny piece of jewelry puts you right in the spotlight. If that's the feeling you're after, satisfy that craving at eBay. That's where the thrill of the find meets that feeling of real. Go ahead. Type it in. Anything. Hit search and boom, you'll know when you find it. Let's call it a real scroll stopper. Right next to it, you'll see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee. That's how you know it's the real deal. And that's also how you know that eBay's got your back. They're making sure that authenticity is always in reach with real experts checking the things you love. Shop with confidence knowing that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is authentic through a hands-on, detailed inspection by real people who are real experts and love this stuff just as much as you do. Sneaker authenticators who make sure each pair is as authentic as it is fresh. Streetwear experts who know real head-to-toe. Handbag authenticators who've had a handle on all the details. Watch experts who know all of the watchouts and jewelry experts making sure that jaw-dropping piece is jaw-droppingly real. eBay's authenticity experts are on a mission to make sure when the thing you love arrives, it's as authentic as your style. All this to say, when you find it on eBay, you found it for real. So hit that buy it now button with confidence. And when it finally hits your doorstep, know that the only thing unreal is the moment you unbox it. Knowing it's authentic without a doubt, that's something you have to experience for yourself. At eBay, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach with eBay authenticity guarantee. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I know it's like, and that was the whole thing was like, I need to be able to self-soothe because I don't want, I don't ever want to have to rely on someone to have to take care of that part of me. Like I want to be able to do it on my own, but I could teach you how to self-soothe. No. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I'm going to go to the professional. <laughs> <I'm joking>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm curious, like when, for someone who maybe gets into that spiral and is like at that low point of like, how do I get out of this? What, what do you do? Like really what are, what is an action where you're like, okay, try this to get out of this headspace. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you turn to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, it's it, frustratingly, there's no one thing. Um, but what I really encourage people to do and a big part of my work is blending all of the stuff where we can analyze ourselves and get curious about like, oh, my wounds and my fears and all of that intellectual stuff with understanding our nervous system. And the reality is when you're in that state of trigger and your body, like your body can feel like, my body feels like I'm on fire. Why do I have this giant lump in my chest? Why can't I breathe past, you know, you know, past my throat? Um, and all of that is a body experience and that is our nervous system. And that is a system that is running all the time without our realizing it. And it's just doing this constant assessment of, am I safe or am I in danger, right? In this moment, like all of us sitting here, if there was a weird noise in the background, our system would just fire up immediately and would tell us to go and do something about it. It's doing that all the time. And it does that in relationships. So if ever something happens in your case, Becca, this distance, there's something in your system that's going, all of a sudden this distance doesn't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going into this thing of, oh, we need to do something. What's wrong? Why is this happening? And then there's another part of you that's going, I shouldn't be feeling like this. I should be fine with this. What's wrong with me? And there's just all of these layers of like, this isn't safe. This isn't safe. This is bad. This is wrong. Uh, and so I think as a starting point, just releasing the grip on needing all of that to make sense. Um, I think a really important first piece is stop judging yourself for feeling the way you're feeling. The way that I kind of visualize that is imagining the the starting feeling of anxiety or stress as like a clenched fist inside you. And then when we come over the top of it with like, I shouldn't be feeling like this, it's like clenching another fist over the top. It's just adding more stress to a system that's already stressed. Mm -hmm. So rather than going, oh, I, I should be fine without her. I shouldn't be doing this. This is bad. This is wrong. Can we just go, huh? Okay. Interesting. Oh, I noticed that I'm feeling stressed. I noticed that I'm feeling really anxious. Isn't that interesting? I used to be fine with this. I wonder what's new for me here. I wonder what this is about for me. And just like the tone of those things is so different. So even just starting with that, with not like judging, criticizing, shaming yourself for feeling however you're feeling mm -hmm. and instead being like, ah, okay. Feeling's just a feeling. It's just information. Interesting. Can I get curious about it? I think Start with that. And then we want to go, okay, what do I need to bring my body back to some semblance of regulation, which is kind of to use nervous system speak. So there's this concept in you know, polyvagal theory, nervous system stuff, which is your state creates your story. Meaning if your nervous system is in a fight or flight state, which is what's happening when you're feeling really activated and stressed and panicky and anxious, then your thoughts follow that state. Mm -hmm. It's like you're putting on goggles and everything you think and see and feel and perceive is going to be kind of, I don't want to say poison because that makes it sound really negative, but it's going to be infused with the energy of this isn't safe. This is bad. Sort of like when you are awake at 3am and your heart's racing and you think the most 
catastrophic thoughts that just come out of nowhere. You're like, oh, good. What else can I like fish out from the depths of my soul that could be, you know, the most horrendous thing that could ever happen? Why don't I think about that, right? Our thoughts are following the state that we're in. And so we need to kind of work backwards from the state we're in so that our thoughts can become a little bit more reasonable uh, and a little bit less fear-based and catastrophic. So doing things as simple as if you're in that really activated state, Um, doing things like exercising is really good because it's kind of just getting that energy out Mm -hmm. Um, sort of in the way that like dogs, when they're really, really worked up, they'll shake Mm -hmm. and it's like a reset button on them. We kind of need to do that as well. I think we forget that we're animals sometimes. And so working with, okay, I've got all of this really intense charged energy flowing through me. Can I do something with that? Can I go for a walk? Can I go for a run? Can I do some sort of workout that allows me to reset my system? Um, that can be a really good short-term way to, to regulate. Um, other things, and this is sort of why I said, like, you want to build out your toolbox. So you don't want to just have one thing, because if you're feeling really anxious and you're on a plane, you're not going to go for a run. Right. (laughs) Um, so it's like, we need to have different things that we can reach for depending on where we are and, you know, a million different contextual factors that might constrain what we can do. Um, so like breathing exercises can be good if you're in a more like if you've got five minutes between meetings and you're really anxious, a breathing exercise could be good. Or some people like journaling or, you know, calling a friend. There's a million things that we can do, but we just need to figure out what they are and almost like have them as a a mental or an actual list. So we can go, okay, I notice I'm feeling really anxious. I'm feeling like totally spinning out. What do I need? Mm -hmm. And just going through that process of like coming back and going, what do I need in my body right now? Rather than staying up here in our heads and going, why am I feeling like this? I shouldn't be feeling like this. Is there something wrong? Do I need to do something? This is bad. And it's just like, you know, kind of the train goes off into the sunset. It's just too much. And it's really hard to catch it when we just let it go. Um, so trying to catch it earlier and bring it back down and really see it for what it is, it's just like, okay, something in my body's feeling like we're in danger right now. Is that true? Like, what do I need to create a bit more safety in my body? And then, you know, whatever panicky thoughts I'm thinking, I'll revisit them in, you know, 10 minutes or half an hour when my body has come back down a bit and I can assess whether that was just, you know, driven by all of that anxiety in my system or whether there's actually something that needs my attention there. But we're just really, our ability to make good judgment calls when we're in that state is just so out the window. It's no point trying to decide something, to have a hard conversation, to speak to someone about something serious. Like just don't do it when you're in that state because you've just got those goggles on that are saying everything's dangerous right now. And that's, it's really hard to kind of hack that system when that part of you is at the wheel. That is so true. My, my girlfriend was very patient because she somehow remained calm when like every, we would like end a conversation and then I'd be like stewing over like what else was like going on in my head. And I'd be like, I need to talk about this. And it was just like a downward spiral. But I think Mm -hmm. the first thing you said, I think was such a, that really resonated with me, the shame, like I felt a lot of shame in it. And so Mm. instead of like acknowledging and being like, okay, I don't know what's going on. This isn't like you, but it's okay. You know, like everything's going to be okay. You'll figure it out. I was just, I never even let myself get to that point because I felt so much. I was like judging myself that I was out of character for how I saw my, how I see myself. Yeah. Which sort of makes sense if 
you know, you said that you have tended towards being more avoidant in the past. So there's probably a part of you that goes, it's not safe for us to feel anxious and and clingy and needy. Yeah, this yeah. is this is not okay. We've like we've relied on the strategies where we don't need anyone and we just pull away and we're fine on our own. Yes. So it might have been really destabilizing for your system to be like, oh no, I feel needy. I miss my partner. <laughs> I want to go back. I want to be with her. Where is she? Yeah. There's another part of you that's like, absolutely not. Shut that down. Yeah. That's no good. That's unsafe. It's pathetic. It's weak. Don't <laughs> go there. You are reliant on something in a way that is like not okay. Um, and so you've got like this inner war going on between the feelings and this other part of you that's been a really strong protector that's been like, no, we don't do stuff <laughs> like that because it's not safe. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it makes a lot of sense. And when we can see it like that, we go, oh, okay, that makes sense. And all of a sudden it's just like everything settles a bit. It's like a snow globe. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Like the my part, you know, I've always been like, it's fine, I don't need anybody. Like everything's yeah, fine. Yeah, she was very avoidant and now she's like me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to this life. So it's not the journey I was trying no. to be on. <laughs> no. I mean, I yeah. have so many. I, I'm like, I want to do a part two with you where we have you back on to talk just more about this because I think both Tanya and I could go on for days talking to you. But I do want to give people an opportunity to follow you because I know your Instagram has a lot of um, just like tips and tricks and um, ways yeah. to kind of learn more about attachment style. So where can everyone follow you and uh, your podcast and then also your coaching I want to hear more about that mm. as well. Yeah. So my Instagram is Stephanie underscore underscore rig, R-I-double-G. Um, and my podcast is called On Attachment. So I release two episodes a week there and there's you know everything we've talked about today and a whole lot more. So you can find me there. And then my website is stephanierig.com. And I have um, online courses. I have a course called Healing Anxious Attachment, which is kind of my signature program um, that a lot of people have done and has been, you know, has been a real help to a lot of people in working through this stuff and learning all of these tools, right? Not only understanding yourself, but learning about nervous system regulation, learning about how to set boundaries and just kind of equipping you with that toolbox that I spoke about so that you don't feel so overwhelmed and powerless when these things arise, because they will arise. That's the like, do you think about it? We're just, <laughs> we can't opt out of like, triggers in relationship. We can't opt out of conflict. Mm -hmm. um, so it's more about like, okay, how can I equip myself with the tools I need to navigate that when it arises rather than how can I never get triggered again? <laughs> yeah. That's a good point because the triggers do come whether, yeah. no matter how healed you are. Should we do yeah. the course together? <laughs> yes. I'd love to have you. <laughs> yes. Um, well, thank you so much for taking time to be on here. Yeah, and thank you so much. I can't wait my to talk pleasure. to you again. It was so great meeting you. And thanks for yeah, all you likewise. do. <laughs> no, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. All have right. a great rest thanks. of your day. <laughs> Bye. 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 
presented by 21 Seeds. Hey, you know how we're always trying to keep our girls' nights exciting with new cocktails? Uh, yeah. Well, here's something that's going to flip the 21 Seeds infused tequila. Wait, you already know? Of course. 21 Seeds is an award-winning tequila infused with juice from real fruit. Yeah, so you only need two or three ingredients to make the perfect cocktail. But did you know that 21 Seeds is founded by two sisters and their friend? Sounds like there's a good story behind that for sure. So listen, if you love tequila, you have to try 21 Seeds infused tequila. Enjoy responsibly. 21 Seeds Diageo, New York, New York. Want to know where all the spring savings are this year? Ross, you'll find huge deals on all of the latest spring trends. Yes, at Ross, you'll find brand names for 20 to 60% off department store prices. You're definitely finding your next favorite outfit. We're talking about savings on your favorite shirts and tops. And it's spring, so you know Ross has savings on sundresses. And don't forget the sandals. From slides to wedges, find brand name sandals for less. Ross always has those for the low. And there's always a reason for a new purse at this price. Deals on handbags? Yeah. Hold my purse. Seriously, just visit your nearest Ross and see for yourself. Believe me, your wallet will thank you. So what are you waiting for? Say yes for less at Ross. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.